Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea, and I'm joined by um, a panel. We got Dimity McDowell. Hola. Dr. Justin Ross. Yo. And co- the, I've got to represent the testosterone up here. <laughs> <laughs> and Coach Amanda Loudon. Hello. So this is the second annual Rock Your Race panel discussion at uh, AMR Run Plus Refresh Retreat. Run Plus Refresh. Yes. Uh, so, and um, the role of M.K. Fleming will be played by Dr. Justin Ross today. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so we are sitting in a room with a bunch of lovely bammers who, almost all of them, all of them, are running the Ogden, some version of the Ogden Marathon tomorrow, whether marathon, half marathon, relay, 5K. And so we just want to give advice on how they can really optimize what they have garnered in training, make sure you have the, the most fun, perform at your maximum. And so, yeah, so let's dive into that topic. Okay, well, what's the first question, moderator? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Justin, okay, so imagine that you have a race tomorrow. You're not trying to Boston qualify. I know that is a goal that you went after for a long time and succeeded, and yes, congratulations. And so, but if you were here to um, really just do your best and have a good time, and it's the day before a race, what are, what are you telling people, what, get inside their heads and, and mold it around a little bit? Yeah, that, that's such a great goal, right, is to just enjoy your race. And that's, in some ways, the easiest goal to, to work with uh, because it reduces pressure. You know, pressure comes from trying to maximize performance and trying to break through a number barrier. If the goal is just to have fun, then that's what today can be all about, is just enjoying it, bringing gratitude to the process of getting here, being grateful for the community of people that you're around, and then just really focusing on celebrating your training and celebrating the race tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Coach Amanda, what physically should people be doing the day before a race to optimize their race day? Well, I know most people are out on a shakeout run this morning, so that was a very good start. Um, eating well, resting as much as you can, not uh, staying up late, looking at screens or whatever else. Tonight's the night to kind of shut it down early, um, save the celebration in the late night for tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, just, just relax today. And hydrating well. Hydrate. I forgot that part. Yes. Hydrate. Because mm-hmm. um, we are in a very dry climate here. So that's going to come into play tomorrow. And I always say, I always have a beer and ideally a piece of carrot cake the night before a race because <laughs> you never know what's going to happen on race day and you made it to the starting line. And honestly, I think sometimes we take so much pressure, we put so much pressure on race day and we forget the 15 weeks, 12 weeks, 20 weeks, whatever it is that brought you up there and all the hard work that went into it. And I think that that is cause for celebration as well. Mm-hmm. And Justin's nodding yeah. his head. Yeah, the, uh, the night before a race, I think, is it's a great time. It's kind of like a special time, yeah. right? And it's about celebrating that, reminding yourself of all the work you did, of everybody that helped you get here, so that you can just enjoy it, right? And we lose sight of that. We put so much pressure on ourselves to execute and perform that we lose sight of the enjoyment factor. And it's just a reminder, right? Tonight's a night of reflection. Enjoy getting here. Enjoy the process. And have fun tomorrow. Okay, can I put you on the spot for a second, Justin? I think you already have. It's my have. favorite thing yeah. to do, actually. So, um, so okay, I, I agree with that 100%. And quote-unquote, having fun and enjoying is super easy to do um, you know, until you stand on the starting line, right? And then, on the, and then all of a sudden, you're on the starting line, the gun goes off, and everybody around you is running faster than you. Your goals 
to have fun suddenly feel very flimsy compared to having a numbers-based goal? Um, and how do you stay in that moment, both during the race and then after the race? Because again, like, you know, if you're having fun, that means maybe you're wearing a costume that slowed you down. Maybe you're stopping and taking pictures or cheering on someone you normally wouldn't do. And it's fine, like you say that this is fine, but say you're normally used to running a half marathon around 2.15 and this one brings you in at 2.35. And those 20 minutes should be nothing and any outsider can tell you that it feels like nothing. But inside, you're like, well, that was a waste. Why, you know, that, that's not what I'm capable of. So how can you maintain that attitude that we know is important both during the race and then after the race when maybe your time isn't exactly what you had anticipated. Yeah. So uh, we really talked about this idea of the four C's today, right? So we talked about being clear, being clear about your choices, knowing that choices have consequences, and then understanding what the challenges are going to be throughout the process of the race. And so if you could be clear tonight about what you're doing tomorrow, whether that's clear about having a time goal that you're going after or being clear that tomorrow is just about having fun, it's going to help you make that choice in the moment tomorrow. And whether that choice is hanging back and sticking to a race strategy or whether that choice is about stepping into discomfort and really working through that to make sure that you're staying on, on pace. That's what it's all about is being clear about your choices and consequences. What's the third? Choices, consequences, challenges? Uh, clear. So clear. the overall oh, idea of being clear. The overarching umbrella, clear umbrella. Clear umbrella. All right. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I like the idea of making choices because I also think it's, um, to me, it's seizing an opportunity when it presents itself and something that you can't anticipate ahead of time. I'm, I'm speaking um, about my last marathon, Twin Cities, last fall, and that um, I missed my sea time goal and... I don't think about that with regret for a second because I got to connect with uh, this woman, Lisa, mother runner that I had met the year before. Uh, we were kind of jockeying for places. And I know I've told this story on the podcast before, but jockeying for places. And we ended up um, kind of convening around mile 25. And that final stretch of that race is one of the high points of my, all my 14 marathons. Just we we're wearing matching, you know, AMR tank tops, many happy miles tank tops, and just encouraging each other. And we each had our own music. It wasn't like we were talking, but there was such communication between the two of us and such a connection. And I don't know. And it was just, you know, it wasn't like I said, oh, I'm going to find somebody at mile 25 and run with them. But it was just like, boom. Like, and that, that made that race for me. Yeah. That ability to connect at the end. Mm -hmm. Right. And it just, it, it embodies the spirit of the sport. I mean, that's why everybody is here right now is to be connected to community. And I think again, without clarity at the front, you can get started and it feels really good. Everybody's excited. They're well tapered. They have a lot of energy and it's easy to just blow through that first mile without a clear plan. And so going into it tonight, being really clear about what, what you're doing tomorrow is going to help you stay committed at the beginning of the race tomorrow. Um, maybe the fifth C can be conversation. Ooh. No, I what like about, it. We, we can throw a bunch in here. We've got commitment, conversation, community. Um, well, I've I got to, to rethink say, my I have paradigm. to tell the story because it's, it happened in the Ogden Marathon and you made me think of it. And uh, the overarching thing is that um, I have a hard time remembering a lot of finish lines or a lot of races, but you often remember the conversations or that connection. Connection's another one. Community's another one. Let's camaraderie. Let's just, you know. Um, but anyway, so, but I will say, this was funny. I was telling this to the people I drove up here with uh, yesterday. So I don't know if you remember this, but um, when, I, when we ran the half marathon together here last year, or not last 2011. Year, 2011. Um, I was definitely 
trying to pace myself and I can't remember why because <laughs> that's not usually my MO is to pace myself. But I think you want to do a negative split. Oh, that's right. I did want to do it. Yeah. Okay, so I was starting out slow and then going to speed up for the second half of the race. Um, and so you kind of took off and I kind of was like, no, this is not what I'm going to do. Um, but a man came up behind me and said, I really like tall women. And I was like, OMG, I am out of here. I am not having this conversation. You just I swear to God. Fastest mile of your I life know, right there. Say, mile all PR. of a sudden, that sub seven minute mile didn't seem so out of reach, you know? Um, but yeah, that was definitely, but usually I do take the time. And I remember talking to actually a mom and a daughter later in that race. And I don't remember, our comp- but I do remember talking to them and having a nice conversation with them and, you know, loving that they were running together and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, often running can be a very solo sport and we're out there by ourselves or with our podcasts or listening to your music and tomorrow or race day is your party, you know, and sometimes it's just a chance to chat up people you wouldn't normally do. And even if you're an introvert and a lot of introverts are drawn to this sport, you would be surprised at how quickly the miles can tick by when you either, you know, run by somebody. Just don't tell them, you know, that just don't tell them something skanky or weird or I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the, I don't know. I don't know what I would describe that yeah. as. But. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's also, I mean, the great thing about Aftershocks is you can still have that, the headphones, you can still have that conversation with them and be listening to your music. But, but about, I mean, Dim, you and I have been at so many races together. And I think about when we were at um, Zuma, Texas, and just there was this woman that I was kind of, we were kind of jockeying for places. And then I was like, you know, ended up passing her. I could tell she was kind of falling back. And I'm like, come on, pink shirt. Come on, we can do this. We can do this. And afterwards she came up to me and thanked me. You know, it was just like, and I, I think Justin, I was thinking, I don't know what it was last night at the podcast made me think of this, but, um, say I oftentimes say things out say things to people that I need to hear and so um and I'm like well maybe people will benefit from it but I'm I'm kind of selfish I just want to hear like mm-hmm. you know and and uh you know let's kill this hill we got this you know whatever and it's like oh yeah that's good advice I'll take it uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Amanda can you think of some races that you've like kind of reached out to other people or drawn strength from other people? Yeah, it's funny. With you guys talking about this, it's starting to bring back all these memories. Right, yeah. and, and, and it's funny because those do stand out more than finish lines. They, they really do. So I did um, an Ironman way back in 1999. Some of you probably weren't even born yet. <laughs> but um, I, I will always remember I was out on the run and um, this guy was running next to me. And at one point he said, you know, I can't, I can't get past you, but I'm also, you know, not dropping behind you. Do you want to just kind of run together? And I said, sure. And so he told me his name. And I said, oh, that's my brother's name. And he said, what's your name? And I told him, he's like, that's my sister's name. Oh, crazy. (laughs) And it was, you know, it was meant to be. And we stuck together for the rest of that race. And even when we were, you know, in in an Ironman, just like in a marathon, you're going to have your very low moments. And if he needed to slow down, I slowed down with him. If I needed to slow down, he slowed down with me. And it was, you know, it's really cool. And I really like my finish line picture actually has him in it. Oh, that's and that's, that's kind of cool to me. I have no idea where he is in life now, 20 years later. But, you know, it was, it was neat. Yeah. Too bad we didn't have Facebook then. Though. You know, no. You know what he's doing no. right now. Right, exactly. <laughs> Justin, Justin, what do you say to yourself in those low moments? Because, like, as Amanda just alluded to, um, you know, you're going to definitely have a low moments in a marathon. That's going to come no matter what, whether you're Kara Goucher or, you know, or me. Um, and they come 
I think also in a half marathon, you know? Um, so oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, what do you, what do you, it's just, they just feel like they're less intense because it's going to be done <laughs> They don't a stretch bit on faster. for as long. Yeah. So, um, so tell us, like, personally, what do you do yourself? What do you say to yourself? And then also, what do you do with clients who might be, like, kind of like us, our Bama tribe? Yeah, so uh, there's a great saying in the ultra endurance community that it, it never always gets worse. <laughs> right. And I think that's so true. It's there are going to be moments that are low or painful or uncomfortable, but they're not permanent. They're just there for a minute or a mile or an hour sometimes, which can be like a long time. But it's going to eventually change and it's going to eventually uh, move. And that's, I think, part of why we're here in the first place is we sort of seek these moments out to see what we're capable of. And so I always really embrace them because I think that's a big part of what brings us alive in this sport. So helping you, you literally embrace like you're like oh I'm so glad I'm feeling like crap right now you say that to yourself uh, not no I don't say that but I do think about embracing it like embrace embrace the suck okay. is kind of what I tell myself because that's why I, I think a lot of us show up to events like this is to find that moment and then to see what we're made of to see what it's like to experience it because in a relatively short amount of time um, it's going to go away it's and gonna it's going to change. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I will oftentimes t- remind myself how sh- short a percentage of the day, of the entire 24-hour day, a race is. You know, so let's say it, it, let's even if you take six hours to your marathon, that's still only 25% of the whole day, you know, and... Whoa, that's some perspective. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, it's a very long six hours of very uh, energy. But, but we also live in such a comfortable society. You know, we are not Laura Ingalls Wilder having to, you know, walk behind the oxen cart. And that, that, that we just so, you know, like, oh my gosh, I had to like ride on the plane and I forgot my card again and I was kind of chilly, you know, like, like that's about as tough as it gets sometimes. And so that, so that to put yourself in that uncomfortable position can be, um, intriguing. And, um, I was talking, I was at the race expo and, um, uh, met this, um, woman who's a grandmother and, um, she was saying that her, she was doing her first marathon tomorrow. And, um, she was like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to bring. I've done half marathons. And I said, well, we always learn something about ourselves in a race. And she's like, yeah, we sure do. Yeah. It makes you feel alive. I mean, that's the thing. It totally, it moments totally. makes you feel alive because that's the thing is you often say we live at what, like a 68 degree thermostat or maybe seven degree thermostat world. Yeah, exactly what you're talking about. We, you know, 70 degree comfort, properly caffeinated all the time. Right. And so it's like, these are the moments that we can seek out to just be a little bit uncomfortable to see what we're made of and to see how we respond. Yeah. What happens when you don't like the response? That happens a lot. Yeah. Right. And again, that's, that's hard, right. When, especially when you like, you know, I mean, I think of myself as a very strong person and you know, if I'm in there and I, you know, say I want to keep up nine minute splits and all of a sudden, those nine minute splits, I look down and they're nine ten, and then they're nine fifteen, and they're nine twenty, and I don't know how to get back to that place. And I then I just get more and more angry at myself that I can't do what I expected to do. Yeah, and you know, I like what Sarah was talking about it, learning something about yourself. Yeah. Right. So that's part of it. Is it, every race, every opportunity, is a chance to ask yourself, what did I learn? about myself in this experience. How did I show up? What did I do well? What could I work on? Numbers, we are so attached to numbers in this sport and they can blow us up because when we look down and we see we're not on the pace that we want, we start to spiral. Sometimes it's just as simple as saying, let me shift back to effort. The numbers aren't going to be what they want to be, but if I focus on effort, if I keep the effort what I need it to be, then that's where the experience is. The numbers are going to be what they're going to be based on all kinds of variables. 
You're so wise. Mm. Well, you, you were about to say something, Amanda, I think, and I kind of cut you um, off. No, I, well, I don't remember already, but I will just piggyback on that and, and say, I, I know you guys hear me preach it all the time, but I'm a big fan of effort-based racing um, versus numbers-based racing. And, um, you know, no one may want to try it tomorrow for the first time, but, but sometime go out there and give yourself a shot at running without a watch or without looking at your watch if you can manage to do that. Just see what the result is and, and see how it goes. You know, tuning into your body, doing what your body needs it to do. And, and it is such a common refrain that people say, I, you know, yeah, I had my best race ever that time I forgot my watch or the time that my watch was on the fritz. So um, try it sometime. Well, another, another race that was super memorable to, memorable to me is one I ran the Steamboat Half Marathon, and I had just a straight-up chrono watch, you know? It was like a Timex Ironman, and so there wasn't a real-time pace on it, right? And so, but the mile markers were there, so I, lap, you know, I hit the lap button at the end of every mile marker, and I was like, whoa, okay, that was a 917. Okay, that was a 901. Okay, that was a 1015, whatever. But I couldn't do anything about it, and I couldn't fret about it because it's done. It's not like I can go back and do it again. Like, I don't get a redo, right? But it was really freeing, too, because it's like, okay, that's what that was. Now yeah. what's, what's going to be, you know? And so, yeah, I really, um, you know, I, I definitely uh, applaud that perspective, um, Amanda, and I would I challenge I want to hear from a couple people. If you, you don't have to do it tomorrow. But we'd love to hear about it on the Facebook page if you end up running a, a race without a, a GPS when you're used to doing it. I, I think the challenge is doing both at the same time. Oh. Right? It, and that could be it possible. Down. Yeah. Throw it down. Well, to be able to have the numbers there, but to also not let the numbers dictate your experience. To have them be important, but also to have effort be important at the same time. So that if the numbers are tripping you up and you have that awareness that it's bothering you, to shift it over to work on just how it feels, to work on that effort-based response, and to just notice the difference. Well, I, and I think that that's kind of where, what you were talking about, running with a chrono watch, I think that's where it kind of strikes that happy medium. I mean, and that is how I always, I've run one race with a GPS watch, it just was miserable to me, I just did not like having all that information, and so that's what I do. I look at the mile markers on my chrono. And but then what do you have to download? You'd have to, you know, the next day after the race, you spend a lot of time scrolling through your history and your splits and your heart rate. No, See, I don't. No, says Amanda. I, I've never I, downloaded I, anything ever in my I, life. I just, I, I sometimes just like having it, but I don't go back and look at it. You never look at your GPS, the history? Hardly ever. I oh, never have, gee. never once in my life, do you, ever. Do you... Are you a data obsessor, Justin? Please. Uh, no, I don't obsess about it, but it's information. So I like oh, to look at yeah. it and then like, oh, okay, this is what was happening there. Okay, All can, right. Can I get a raise of hands? Can I get a raise of hands around here? All right. Well, I would say maybe half if I'm being generous. I mean, I just like to go back and look. It's a little bit of a time killer, right? But like I go on a bike ride, um, you know, and I, I just got a new GPS for my birthday. So I go on a bike ride and it's fun. It's go, fun to go look at and every five mile, um, it's broken up like the splits are five miles, you know, so I'd like to know like how fast I went. It's like, you know, just scrolling through Strava. Just, it's just, it's not necessarily that I feel bad, like, oh, I should have gone 15 seconds faster. It's just more like, it's just another procrastination tool, I guess, and time killer. <laughs> but, it, but, you know, I like it. See, I'm just not very tech savvy. I know that when Same. I was working with Bree, you know, and she would, she, and as the coach, she was able to, I think, see another level in, um, training peaks. Training peaks. Thank you. I can't even remember what it is. And, uh, you know, and, and be like, oh, well, you, the perceived effort, the, I don't know, something there was, 
I don't remember what all, I'm like, wow, that's, that's really nifty. But it was like this form of math that I can't even begin to comprehend. So I'm like, yeah, no, I didn't get that degree. You know, I was over in the liberal arts building. So. <laughs> all right, all right. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so let's backtrack a little bit to today. How about you, Justin, you were talking about the night before. And I have to say that I remember in my first couple marathons, I just was ruining the day that I had signed up for my marathon. The night before, I'm like, well, I brought this on myself. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, how do you, and, and that, I, don't, I don't get that feeling as much anymore. I mean, I, I do, I did feel really nauseated the day before Twin Cities last year, and, and it was, I was like, what's the problem here? And, but Were you pregnant? I was not. <laughs> I was not. Um, and um, uh, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, how how do you you know kind of rem- I don't know remind yourself that that you are ha- you know that you did choose it. Yeah. Well, it, I think it's that right. It's reminding yourself that you get to be here. Mm-hmm. You chose to be here, and the the excitement before a race is part of it. That's I think again part of what brings us back is we don't get this level of excitement much in, in life anymore, right? Mm-hmm. It's adulting, right? It doesn't usually happen. So. Oh, yay! I get to drive soccer carpool again? <laughs> I have butterflies in my stomach! <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen. I, I have to say, it goes back to that feeling of being alive, right? Because it, putting yourself on the line, how often do we do that, right? Not in the uh, carpool line, that's for sure. No. <laughs> oh, I do, Justin. Yeah. I want, I time them in and out. Put your big you, ball in the back. Do you obsess about that, Dad? I, I do, I yeah. do. I time them on Strava. <laughs> Amelia, you're slacking, you're slacking. No, that's, I think that that's a really good point. I mean, um, I mean, but do you still get nervous before a race? Well, I, I get excited before a race, right? Oh. And it's, we talk about this, right? You get these emotional experiences before an event, and you can make it anxiety by thinking about it as anxiety. But if you bring it back to this, like you get to be here, you chose to be here. This is a meaningful event for you. And it's about coming alive and finding that human spirit. So yeah, all the, all those emotions are there. The butterflies are there, but I, it's not anxiety for me. It's excitement for me. I think people totally overuse the word anxious and anxiety far too much in our society. So many people say anxious when they really mean eager. And that, um, I know that I, I make a conscious um, choice not to um, use the word hard when I mean that something's going to be challenging, mm-hmm. and um, and it, I, I think just reframing the words. Um, helps. Yeah, that it's that subtle shift in language that can really alter the experience. Mm-hmm. Have you been eager before a race, Amanda? Felt <laughs> eager? <laughs> I think so. I mean, I think there have been times where I've, you know, had like the perfect training cycle and um, which we all know is very elusive. But when they come around, that's, that's a pretty good feeling. And so you can be pretty excited as you're lining up and, and excited to see what you can do. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that excited to see what you can do. I mean, to me, that's the nugget. That's the positive nugget that I try to chomp on yeah. in the days leading up to a race and on race day. And then when it doesn't happen, like I am, again, specifically thinking about Twin Cities, that, um, I don't know, I just, I, I am a glass half full type of gal. And yeah. I just, I think finding the positives along the way, yes. they maybe are smaller gemstones, yes. but you know, you cluster them all together and they make a really pretty ring. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I you, think I remember you talking about having a really strong last 10 K. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, so that's, I mean, those are two things right there. Like that, that's yeah. a memorable race, right? There. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah.
it's easy to um, it's easy to say Twin Cities was no good that year. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's, it's, I think, about being willing to adjust on the fly if you need to. Adjust your goals on the fly if you need to. Mm-hmm. And, and make sure you're still getting something out of it. I mean, mm-hmm. which you will, no matter what. No matter what happens, you are going to come away from a race with something gained, right? And so, as you're going along, if things aren't going as planned, find a different plan, maybe, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's touch on that for a second, because I think about this so often that um, I can hold so tightly to a goal during training. Yeah. And, and nail all the paces and the workouts and all that stuff. And then in the day leading up to it and the moment, it can be slippery. And I think it's not as important as it seemed, as it loomed and um, shone so brightly during the training period. So could, could each of you talk about how to do that? How to, um, I, I think it's fine to let go of a goal, but how, if, if you really think you want to hold on to it, yeah. how you hold on to it without crushing it into, you know, ashes. Yeah, I mean, I don't. You're probably better at speaking to this than I. But I mean, I, I, my my guess is that there's a little bit of fear in there, right? And and when when you're starting to let go of it, maybe you get a little bit anxious out there and a little bit fearful. And so maybe kind of bringing yourself back down to thinking about that, that how much you wanted this going into it, how hard you have worked for it, and and knowing that you are capable of continuing it and and um, pressing on, you know, without mm-hmm. self-destructing. Yeah. yeah, and there could be a lot of negotiating and yeah. bargaining that yeah. occurs when things <laughs> get hard. And one of the things we often do is we let those excuses dictate what we do. And so it's like Amanda saying, if you can come back and remember why you started, why you set up this goal in the first place, how meaningful it is, finding your why is going to help you battle those excuses and the bargaining and the negotiating that is, it's going to happen at some point mm-hmm. in a race. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a, a big thing, I think, when you are feeling like I want to, I want to let go, I want to let go, is to focus on the outside, right? Focus on something in front of you. Catch that person in front of you, get to the next water stop, and then see how you feel, right? What's, what's the professional term for that? Well, so, you know, the, I, that's kind of the, the idea of flow, right? Oh. So flow. So anything that reduces focusing on internal uh, thoughts or discomfort is going to inhibit flow. And everybody in this room knows what flow feels like when running. It's that movement that just feels effortless and feels connected. And when you're thinking about the numbers on your watch or you're thinking about how your body feels, you're not flowing. That goes away. So shifting that focus to something outside of yourself, whether that's somebody in the race or some external variable, can really help you tap into that in a deeper way. Or like a family member or something. Yeah, just whatever. As long as it's not within your physical boundaries. Absolutely. And it, it varies for all of us. We all have different ways to connect to that. And it's about finding what works for you. Yeah, I remember in Big Sur, um, I, mile 15, I think I've talked about this in one of our books, and, and it was just like I, I was so far from the start and not close enough to the finish. I just felt like I was kind of in this mid-zone of I could, things could, could go either way. And I remember, and you know, Big Sur, it's so beautiful. It's along the Pacific Coast Highway and just stunning scenery. And I remember looking out at the ocean and seeing this one cloud formation and I don't know what it was about that cloud formation, but it really just spoke to me. And I was like, nope, I'm going to keep my foot on the pedal. And, I mean, I could draw you. That was 2010. I could draw you a picture of that cloud formation right now. Yeah. yeah. Similarly, I mean, I'm thinking back to um, when I did my first Twin Cities 10-miler. And, um, and I, I have to say there were three. I mean, I wrote a blog post about it, so it's, I, I remember writing about it. But I had three people in my mind. I had my dad. I had my uncle and I had you, Sarah, because you were running the marathon the next day. And I wanted, and so like literally like the first three miles, I was like, 
Dad, this is what I do now. The next three miles were for my Uncle Ham, who had just passed away. And then the last three were like, I want Sarah to feel as strong. I want Sarah to feel as strong. And it was just so, I don't remember running it. I just remember my thinking about it so much. And I just, I, and I say that to you guys because when you get in that zone, when you get to that connection to whatever, and that was Minnesota, and I grew up there, so I had a lot of memories about being there, but like when you get there, it is just lovely, and it's the only time that I've ever been transported like that, right, you know? Thank you for making me be a part of that. Thank you. I'll throw it back up on AMR sometime (laughs) soon, don't worry. (laughs) We'll rerun. (laughs) I just was going to touch on one more thing, and and I think I've said this before, but... um, you know, when, when you are in those low moments, they're going to happen, just kind of ride them out, and you're going to come out of it, you know, you, you really are, so hold on to that too, you know, hold on to the, to the hope and, and the expectation that you will come out of that valley eventually during the race. Well, Amanda, I say that's an excellent point to end on, the remembering that the, the valley, there will be, you know, a peak after the valley, metaphorically speaking, mm-hmm. in, in every race. So um, thank you all for, for being part of this. I love doing this. So Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's and, fun. Um, yeah, and um, this podcast was recorded in... Wait, wait whoa, whoa, oh. whoa, whoa, whoa. We got a many happy miles on no. race day. Oh, no, I'm getting to the many happy miles part. Oh, I do that part sorry. first. Oh, oh, sorry. She doesn't listen very often, yeah. She doesn't make it that far into the podcast, usually. Uh, <laughs> only running for 30 minutes, so, yeah. Uh, this podcast was recorded in Ogden, Utah, um, produced by Alex Ward of Sounds Like Pictures. And, Dim, what would you like to say? I would like to say many happy race day miles to all you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>